Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you for the chance to be in your house today. We thank you for loving us and caring for us the way that you do. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for the privilege of worship and the privilege of knowing you. God, we pray today that you'll inhabit the praises of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning. Good to see all of you out this way today. I know things feel, still feel a little bit different uh, with us doing the elbow bumps and the waves instead of the handshakes and the hugs, and things are a little bit different. Not quite time to go back to that close-knit choir group yet. Still trying to do some different stuff there. Um, again, I know some of you continue to ask about Sunday school and Wednesday nights, and we will get there when we can, uh, but we're trying to do the best we can to kind of find those halfway points to allow us to be back together uh, to worship, to enjoy this together, uh, but not to push too many buttons too fast, if I can put it that way. Um, still not quite, um, I don't think any of us uh, comfortable yet packing 12 or 15 or 18 people in a small room. I'm not sure we're ready for that. Um, and then e even something is the choir, packing in there in that close-knit and singing, and y'all know what happens when you sing. And uh, I know a lot of us, um, we realize that part of our distancing in the building even is because of that. When we open our mouths and we're singing and just trying to make sure we're distancing from one another. And so um, thank you for doing that. But again, I'm going to say it for the third week in a row. It's great to be back in here together and, and feeling a little more corporate sense of worship. And so thank you for being here with us today. If you're our guest, welcome. Um, you can see we're tweaking things. This is different for us. In fact, um, this is the very first week Tim has ordered some new sound equipment for us. So you may hear some highs and lows and stuff that's not just tuned in. It's a work in progress. This is the first week he's been allowed to use this. So it just came in this week. He's installed it. Again, Tim and David and and others have been working extremely hard to change out some of our equipment and put us in a better place. And so I appreciate so much the effort that's been put in behind the scenes that you and I don't see uh, them doing that. It takes a lot of time and effort and attention to do that, so I appreciate it. So, again, we're going to overlook it. If I'm a little loud at points, you can tell him, hey, he's way too loud, turn him down. If, uh, if things are not quite balanced, bear with us. We're working on that, okay? Um, by way of announcements, again, uh, David had the announcements going overhead before service ever started, so I know that you have seen the announcements. The only other thing that I'll mention to you today is, um, for those of you that are not aware, uh, Brother Sharprush, of course, had been in um, the hospital there for uh, several days, and, but kind of limited now on who can go see him during that time, even for his family. Um, but now they've got him moved to Shepherd's Cove, which is a lot more uh, comfortable situation for him and the family. I got by to see him yesterday, and they assured me that if any of you would like to stop by and see him, they would love to see you. They are in a situation now where they can receive visitors. Um, he was in some discomfort yesterday, but having a pretty good day. I know uh, when I talked with him and we prayed yesterday, he was very alert for that moment. Uh, I won't guess on exactly what all's going on. I think they're still looking at some things with Brother Sharp, but they did ask me to share with you that they appreciate the prayers that you guys can offer, and also if anybody would like to come by and see him. I will tell you this, he's in room two at Shepherd's Cove. Uh, they right now have obviously some different guidelines. When you go in, you're going to see they're going to want you to sanitize your hand. They do ask you to wear a face covering. When you get in that room, their family's going to ask you to take it off. <laughs> so, because they're not going to wear them. And he couldn't understand a word I was saying when I heard that thing all over my face. So you may uh, be prepared to take off your face covering, uh, but uh, wear one in the building. I will tell you this, if you park, if you go in Shepherd's Cove and you park on the, the parking lot that's on the right-hand side, when you get out of your car, you will see, my guess is, knowing his family, a large group of people, two patios down. Um, that's 
that's his room. That's room two. And so you can actually walk right up to the patio if you know the family. It's a, it's a much friendlier situation for them. And they asked me to, uh, uh, to share with you that they'd love to see you. Okay. I don't believe I have any other announcements beside that. Again, welcome. It is good to see you as they come to continue to lead us in worship. Let's sing to the Lord together.
all the, uh, all the jokes that we've endured over the years, and I'll be honest, I've been guilty of sharing a few along the way. All the, uh, the jokes that we've endured as Baptists about our refusal to change. <laughs> Nobody can say that anymore because the last several weeks, man, we've done more changing than I can remember in my entire lifetime. Uh, and of course, not just Baptists, but across the board, uh, the way that the coronavirus has, has changed things. And um, I just want to say again that, you know, as imperfect as sometimes some of this can be, um, it's good to see because it creates flexibility. It makes us more willing to work together and um, helps us grow. And so as imperfect as things can be, uh, it's good to see, to be honest with you. And I appreciate everybody being flexible and open and us working together. Even some of the things we're doing today. Yeah, you know, it's funny to uh, you've got an invisible piano player today. Um, but I appreciate Mandy coming up here knowing she was going to be out of town, coming up and recording those so that we could still have our piano player with us. Right now, um, it's not as easy as it usually is to go get a substitute because some folks are not comfortable doing that yet, and there's just all kind of stuff. And so uh, the willingness to, to install new sound equipment and, and be recorded and get up on the stage, and um, I just really, really appreciate it, and I hope that you do too. So if you're not there already, I'll ask you to open to Ephesians chapter 3, and for the first time in this series, we're actually going to skip a few verses. We have pretty well gone verse by verse by verse throughout our study of Ephesians as we're looking at our identity in Christ, who we are in Him. Uh, today we're going to say that we are able, and that's a good thing to know because right now we're facing a lot of things that might make us wonder if we truly are able or not. Would you agree? I think there are things that are going on in our world and in our culture right now that test our belief. God, am I able in you to do this? Well, I am able, we're told today in the book of Ephesians. But we're going to skip the first few verses in chapter 3, and here's why. If you read verses 1 through 13 in chapter 3, you're going to notice that these are very personal words for Paul, but they're all about his ministry, what he's doing and why he's doing it, and what he's hoping from the Ephesians as a result. But it's all directly related to the Apostle Paul and his ministry some 2,000 years ago. We need that background. It, it helps us understand some things. It helps us get to know Paul, this person who wrote half our New Testament, but not as directly applicable for us today. However, once he gets to verse 14, you're going to notice that for the second time in the first three chapters, he offers a prayer for them. And you might say, well, Brother Ben, that prayer is for them, not necessarily for us. But if you read the prayer and you look what it says, you will notice that there, there's no question that Paul would pray the same thing for you and I today. So they become very applicable. So while we're going to skip over the first 13 verses, and this is going to be the only time in the book we do a skip, we are going to very much look at verses 14 through 21 in chapter 3. And you're going to see, if you were with us last week, you could expect it. You're going to see that they directly relate to some of the things that you and I are facing today. I will tell you that there are times as a pastor... When you stand up here and you open this book and people look to you for some word and some guidance and some inspiration and you just feel inadequate. I have to tell you that right now, I, I do. There are times right now with some of the crazy stuff going on, I'm not sure what to say, much less what to do. I bet I'm not the only one. It's a very confusing time, would you agree? 
in so many, many ways. And the last few weeks have added a new layer to that. I do not believe, though, church, it's an accident that in our journey through the book of Ephesians, we happen to be coming to these verses at the time we are. Given where our culture is at, there is no question in my mind, because this series was planned months ago, I could show you my notes. It was always the plan to skip the first 13 verses in chapter 3. Last week got to where we were just as we studied through the book, and you're going to see today that Paul's concern is again how we love each other, and don't we need that now of all times? It's not an accident that we have journeyed through Ephesians at the time we have. And it's not an accident that you're here to hear it. What are we going to do with this newfound ability that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able, and notice that word, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen? Beautiful passage, an inspiring passage. What do we do with it? We go back and begin in a, in a place that we all know it fits in our lives right now. He says, I bow my knees and I offer this prayer. And notice for whom He offers the prayer. Take a look here, if you will, at the first verses. I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. If you can't read that and see the background of our culture, I would recommend you read it again. It doesn't matter whether you're man or woman, boy or girl, black or white, old or young, no matter what political persuasion you have or what country you hail from, what language your family speaks, it doesn't matter. If you get right down to it, we're all children of Adam. Agree? Now, you can have what conclusion you want on that. You can, you can draw forth from that what you will. But at the bottom line, we are all God's creatures, no matter the color of our skin or the country of our origin or the creed into which we're born. We are all His. And it's high time that we start treating each other like it. On both sides of the fence. Okay? I think you and, all, you and I probably all have opinions. I won't share mine because this is not the place for it. You can talk sometime with you, but I'm not sharing it from up here. This is not the platform of opinion. It's a platform for truth. And the truth is, there's right and wrong everywhere. How can we come together in Jesus Christ to make this a better place? And what part can you and I have in that? Amen? Because again, that's us. There's not a family, not a person, 
not a color, not a nation that can't say that God did not create them. No one can make that statement. We are all His and we all answer to Him. Paul says, listen, as we start, I'm not going to leave the thought that he discussed with us last week. The idea that God has brought us together in Jesus Christ as it was always meant to be. When Paul is preaching his great sermon on Mars Hill, it's recorded for us in Acts chapter 17. He makes this point there. He himself, talking about God, gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. You know, I don't mean to disturb you this morning. This is going to be one of those statements. It's going to, you're going to get a ugh when I say this. But if you get right down through it, the human tree don't, it does share a common root. Okay, sorry. I mean, you know, don't take that too far. But this is not a political statement, but a racial one. If I'm honest with you, Adam had the rainbow in his blood. All of us. All colors. All nationalities. That is how God began the world. You know, Paul says, listen, as I begin to talk to you about what you're able to do, I'm very aware that God has put you in a world that challenges your ability. That confronts the reality that you are called to be something more in Jesus Christ. That asks you to truly believe and live out your faith in the Lord. Paul's trying to challenge us and he's trying to inspire us. And I believe that the truths that Scripture teaches can easily be applied to our communities, our workplaces, our world. Would you agree? If I may borrow one statement, President John F. Kennedy, this is my favorite quote, by the way. The ask not is not my favorite quote. From him, this has always been my favorite quote. That if you get right down to it, our most basic link is that we all inhabit this small planet. We all breathe the same air. We all cherish our children's futures. And we're all mortal. He might as well have been quoting the verse we just shared from the Apostle Paul. Is this not true? What do we do with that? You know, this is a fact for us in the world. Paul also has told us last week that it's something that we can work to once we are in Jesus Christ together. Go back, if you will, just a moment. I'm going to assume for a minute that nobody was here last week. We're going to pretend that you all need a quick review. So go back for just a moment with me to chapter 2 in verses 14 through 16. Paul told us there, He Himself, Jesus, is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Jesus did that for us, right? He goes on to say, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross. Now, as we saw last week, the two he has in mind is Jew and Gentile. And I would argue, as I did last week, that that is the greatest racial or ethnic division the world's ever known. If he can tear down that wall, there's no wall he can't tear down. I believe that. Do you? His goal through the cross 
was to remove the differences and bring us together in Him. As we said last week, we all stand on the same ground at the foot of the cross. We all share a need for Jesus. We also all share an acceptance in Him. We said it last week that God knows how to love His own. It is high time His own learn how to love each other. That is the idea He brought to us last week. So that we get the conclusion in Colossians 3.11 that all that we think is so important, the distinctions between us, should in Christ be let go. He says, in Jesus there is no distinction. Greek and Jew, or Gentile and Jew, whatever word you want to use, let it go. Circumcised and uncircumcised, who keeps what traditions? Nobody cares anymore. Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, how about Christ is all and in all? Paul says we need to get there. What is a reality for us in creation that we're all His? Needs to become a spiritual reality for us in the church, in our families, in our communities, and beyond. Amen? Now, you may say, you know, Brother Ben, is it, this all sounds very political. Boy, I hope not. I don't know that I've made a political statement today. I hope it sounds very spiritual to you. You make the conclusions where they need to be. Black, white, old, young, Democrat, Republican. I'm not making a political statement. And neither is Paul. This is what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ. Now, the question would be, how in the world do we actually make this work? Amen? Come on, that's the real issue. That Jesus accomplished it is not in our question today. That God wants it, that's not the question today. How do we make this work? When I go to work, and everybody's talking, how do I make that work when I'm in school? And how do I make that work in my family, in my marriage, in my friendships, in my church? How do I make this work? How do we come together? Let me begin by saying we need help. We need help. And I would say to you that our help comes from above. We need help from above. Watch what Paul goes on to say. Let's go back and complete verse 16. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, three things as we're about to see. Notice the, the wording here. If I can change it. That He may grant you according to the riches of His glory. We don't really talk like that. How about this? That He would give you and not hold back. That He would lavish this on you. That as much of it as you need, He gives you. That He supplies everything that you and I are lacking to make this work. That's the idea. That when you go to work tomorrow, and you're dealing with that person that you really don't even like, maybe a boss, a co-worker, what, does He give you what you need to make it work? When you go home and your marriage is in a tough place, does He give you what you need to make it work? When your family, your kids, the things aren't quite right, does He give you what you need to make it work? 
The answer biblically is yes, He does. We have everything we need in Jesus Christ. The question is, what are you and I willing to do with what He's given us? Amen? Notice, the prayer is that He would give to us three things. Number one, strength to live by faith in Christ. Notice how he puts this, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, notice how Paul has written this. This is important for us to see. There's a reason I worded that the way that I did. The ultimate goal is that we would live by faith in Jesus Christ. Not just say we have faith in Jesus Christ, not just go to church and talk about our faith in Jesus Christ, but live by faith in Jesus Christ. How do we do that? Well, Paul says we're going to need some strength deep down inside to get that done. And I would say to you right now, brothers and sisters, that we are in a time in our country and in our world when weakness needs to be let go and the church needs to stand up in her strength. And you can't wait for the person beside you to be the one to do it. Each of us has a strength in Jesus Christ that the world needs right now. Would you agree? Or you may think, I feel inadequate. Guess what I do too? I don't feel able. I'm not sure I can do it. I don't know if I'm up to it. Well, the good thing is, remember, this is what you have in Jesus. He's not asking you to do it alone. He is saying, I will give you what you need for the moment. And He's always been faithful to do that. I would even argue today that, as I said earlier, our study of Ephesians has led us here for such a time as this. Because He means to give us what we need. Strength inside to live by faith in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, I don't know about you, but have you ever had times in your life, I know I have, where my goal was to live by faith in Christ, but I was a little scared in the moment. My goal was to live by faith in Christ, but I was confused. My goal was to live by faith in Christ, but it wasn't easy. We must have the strength of the Spirit inside so that we live out our faith. Drawing close through prayer. Studying His Word. Knowing it. Living by it. Relying on one another so that the same Spirit that is in me encourages you. And the same Spirit that is in you gives me strength. And the Spirit in your neighbor holds you accountable. And the Spirit in you reaches out to somebody and gives them comfort. And we allow the Holy Spirit to use us to help each other. I'm so glad we don't have to do this alone. We do what we can. We come here and we worship. We gather together. We do the things that it instills spiritual strength. If you need strength financially for whatever it might be, I bet you take specific steps to build that strength, don't you? If you want to get stronger physically, what do you do? You go work out, right? If you, there are ways that we build strength. Well, guess what? The same thing is true spiritually. I can't pretend to be strong in the Lord if I don't study His Word, if I don't pray, if I don't gain support from my brothers and sisters, if I don't do the things that the Lord has said I can do, why should I expect to find strength when I need it? Do you agree? But if we do those things, 
then He promises to meet us in those, and through those things we become strong in Him. I would like to encourage you that if through any of this, and there's been a lot of this, whatever you want to say this is going on recently, if through any of it you have found a place of weakness in your life, a place where you need to grow, a challenge you can't meet, a, a question you can't answer, a need you can't meet, I hope you're taking that to Him. I hope you're working on that. Don't take it for granted. The second thing He prays for us, I pray that He would grant you insight to build upon His love. As He continues, and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. And by the way, notice that phrase. Is he still talking about community here? With all the saints. So you don't have to do this as a Lone Ranger Christian. You can do this together, he says. I would pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Notice how I worded this one. We're, we're rooted and grounded in love. That's the only way to start with the Lord. But what are we going to do with it? He says, I pray that you can comprehend all that His love means for you. So I come into Jesus and I know that I've received God's love. He loved me enough that He would die and rise again for me. I receive that. I'm forever changed. And then the next day, something doesn't go well at work. How do I build on my love? I receive Jesus and my marriage or my family. It ain't perfect. You know what? Welcome to humanity. Amen? Nobody's is. What do I do with that love? How do I build on that love? I'm challenged socially by maybe something I don't fully understand. Maybe I don't even agree with. How do I build on that love? That is where the comprehension comes in. The insight. The understanding. I remember as a young married man, a young married couple, the things where you know you start figuring out, you know, I thought this was going to be wonderful and there would only be good days. And you know, I look at my grandparents and they seem to have it all figured out. Yeah, well, it took them 50 years. They didn't share that part. Um, and I remember as a young married couple, you got to figure this stuff out. But you know what? Over time, you learn to figure out what is the breadth and length and height and depth. I think about when I first got into teaching. I knew the one thing I knew was I was going to love those kids and do what I could for them. What they forgot to tell me is that some of them are just snotty and, 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 and they misbehave and they're not perfect kids and I didn't know about that part. Right? But those kids have taught me the breadth and length and height and depth. Anybody work with anybody you don't like? Don't lie in God's house now. You work with somebody that challenges you, frustrates you, pushes your buttons. 
live with somebody like that. Woo, here we go. Now we're honest. Uh, can I tell you a little secret? Through those people, you will learn the breadth and length and height and depth. How many perfect relationships did Jesus have when He was on earth? None. Do you remember in Jesus' life, if you studied the Gospels, did anybody ever doubt Him? Even His closest followers. Did anybody ever question Him? Are y'all ever going to participate? Yeah, say yes. Okay, thank you. Um, I keep asking questions, you know, all are going... Participate. Helps me out a little bit. All right. Did anybody ever confront him? Challenge his teachings? Did they betray him? Did they desert him? Did they hang him on a tree and leave him for dead? And through that, through that, the breadth and length and height and depth we have this weirdo romantic notion that for us to really get this, love's supposed to be movie-like. But it's not. A cross, an instrument of torture and death, shows us love. That ought to tell you something right there. Our goal is not to be satisfied with our entry into Jesus, but to build upon the love that He's given us. Amen? Third thing. And by the way, there's a reason Paul prays that we have that. Because it ain't easy, brothers and sisters. It's not easy. Number three, I pray that you will have experience to grow into maturity. Now, we want to be careful how we understand the words here, okay? And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. This idea is maturity here. That, that you would reach fullness, completion, maturity in Him. Sometimes the word comes out as perfection, but that's not. It's the idea is maturity. Okay? Well, how are we going to get there? I have to confess, this is kind of one of those circular sounding sentences. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. So did you just tell me to know what I can't know? Anybody else see that? You know why? Because this isn't talking about head knowledge. He's not saying I need you to know more facts about Jesus or memorize more verses. Go more Sundays. That's not the idea. Here's what he wants. And to experience the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. He's not talking about head knowledge. He's talking about relational knowledge. And there's a big difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. Would you agree? Let me tell you something. Right here, right now, in our culture, knowing about Jesus, it ain't going to do you a whole lot. Knowing about Jesus is not going to empower you. It's not going to inspire you. It's not going to move you out of your comfort zone. You'll sit right where you are and be scared to death. I'm being honest. Knowing about Jesus will leave you paralyzed right now. 
But knowing Jesus will strengthen you. Knowing Jesus will comfort you. Knowing Jesus will inspire you. Knowing Jesus will move you to action, even if sometimes you're not even sure what to do. But I'll tell you the one thing we all know right now, church. We can't sit here and do nothing. Amen? We'll figure out what it is along the way. God will guide us, but we can't sit here and do nothing. We know that. Paul says, I pray that you will know Jesus personally. That surpasses book learning and Bible verses. Oh yeah, we need this to meet Jesus. We hear from Jesus here. But we're not just talking about memorizing facts, are we? Can I tell you a secret? I even know that as a math teacher. I can get kids to memorize facts. I can get kids to know that if I do this and put a symbol like that, and this will happen. I can do that. But you know what my goal is as a teacher? Is to get a child to understand how to problem solve. Now he's learned something. You know how I have to do that? They have to experience it. Experience it. Do it for themselves. I can, can I tell you a secret as a teacher? I bet some of y'all had some of these teachers as a kid. I can stand up there and work problems on the board all day long. And they can sit right back there and copy them all day long. And they can leave at the end of the day not knowing how to do the first one of them. But if they experience something, they might just learn something. The same thing I've learned in my classroom is true in life. I can stand up here and preach this to you, and you can sit there and amen me all day long, but if we don't go out there and put it into practice, if I don't experience Jesus when I leave this room, I've learned nothing. And there's the truth of it. Paul says, I pray that you experience Jesus so that you grow. Right now, brothers and sisters, is a time to grow. Amen? It is a time to grow. Now, when I read those three things, there is no doubt why Paul bowed his knee, bowed his head, and prayed that God would grant us those three things because we're going to need it. Because here's the thing. He doesn't expect us to come up with all the strength and the power and the ideas and the knowledge to do this on our own. God says do this in my strength. In my wisdom. In my power. Amen? If you don't believe me, next verse, verse 20. Now to him who is able, notice, him is not you. Him is not me. Him. Right? Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works. Where? That was weak. Where? Within us. Don't tell me that something is unmanageable. Don't tell me it's irreconcilable. Don't tell me it can't be done. In him. It can. 
Y'all, I've seen marriages that I believed in all of my humanity. They were done and over and forget it. It's time to find a peaceable way to move on, only to see God put it back together. I've seen friends that were at odds for years. You never thought they'd ever speak again and hear their best friends again. I've seen communities, you have too, churches split right down the middle only to come back together. God can and does all the time if we work with Him. It is the power of God at work in us. Church, I'm going to give you a newsflash here. There is no plan B. There is no backup plan. We are God's instrument to the world. If this world is going to feel His impact, if they're going to feel His hands and see His feet at work and hear His voice, it will happen through His people. This is not a responsibility we can shirk. And I'm asking you, what are you willing to do? How far are you willing to go? Will you get uncomfortable? Will you be challenged? He is able. Amen. And He is able in and through you. Love these two words here. I put these on your notes if you're referring to the notes. If you look at these two words, able and power, they actually both have the very same root word. They both come from the Greek word dunamis, from which we get our English word dynamite. Do you know what this verse literally says to me and you? Is that in, our, in ourselves through Christ, we have access to, to explosive power. That's what it literally says. That we have access in Christ to explosive spiritual power. Now I'm going to ask you something. When you're challenged, do you react like you have explosive spiritual power? Ooh, now we're getting real. When there's a problem between you and someone, do you react like you can overcome? That you don't have to give in to bitterness? That you are able to forgive because you have explosive spiritual power? When your society turns on itself and wants to know where to find the answers, do you lock yourself up because you're scared to death? Or do you know that in Jesus you have access to explosive spiritual power? You've heard it a million times. All it takes for evil to prosper is for good people to do nothing. For us, it's even more personal. The people of God to do nothing? That's not our style. We have access to explosive spiritual power. Now listen, there may be things in our lives, that's what it's going to take. That friend that didn't speak for years, it might have taken explosive spiritual power to remedy that. That marriage that was done, I mean hanging on by a thread, it might have taken explosive spiritual power to fix that relationship. That church that never thought they could come back into the building together, explosive spiritual power. Don't give me, I can't, because you were never asked to. He said, I'll do it through you. Amen? I want to ask you a question. 
And this is on your notes. What do your expectations of yourself reveal about your faith in God? What do you expect from yourself? And what does that say about what you expect from God? How many of you think that's a tough question? I do. I can throw a pity party like the best of them. I can act like I'm not able. I can deflect things. It's easy to shrink back. But in Him, we are supposed to be explosively powerful spiritually. Let's live like it. Amen? Let's not give in so easy. Let's live like it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, Paul tells us here that what we battle with the weapons of our warfare. And let's be honest, right now in our world, there's a lot of weapons being used. The weapon of speech, bricks and gas canisters, and I'm not, I'm not wherever you come down, but there's stuff being thrown on both sides. Would you agree? There's plenty of weapons being used. The weapons of our warfare aren't human. They are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And those fortresses, by the way, he's talking about, they're not human either. He's not talking about brick and boards. We're destroying speculations, ideas. Right now, I would say to you, America's caught in a conflict of ideas. Would you agree? We have access to a weapon that can deal with that. We're destroying speculations. Every lofty thing that is raised up against the true knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive in obedience to Christ. That is our way through this mess. We have access to explosive spiritual power in Jesus Christ if we'll only live by it. That's the truth. And I would say to you, it is a truth that your enemy does not want you to have. Maybe right now in your life, you are absolutely sitting here rethinking something you were ready to surrender and give up, and God has said, don't surrender yet. Maybe right now He's challenging you to do something you didn't think you were able to do. Maybe He's calling you to something that you don't feel adequate for. I don't know. But... Him working through you, mm, explosively powerful. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I underlined the word church because again, it calls attention to the fact that we do this together and the greatest place in the world we see His power at work is in and through us. What could be more powerful than getting over hate? What could be more powerful than forgiving? What's more powerful than letting bitterness go? What's more powerful than reconciliation? We talk about God's power and we look to the stars and we look to the heavens and we, we, we look at the mountains and we look out at the ocean and oh yeah, all that displays God's power. To me, you want to see God's power, you look to people. What does God do in them that the world says can't be done? 
How does God change a life? Renew a heart, save a soul. That is power. Amen? We get to be part of that. Church, it's us. He says it right there. What's your part in all of this? According to Jesus, all of us have been called to live in such a way that we bring glory and honor to the Father. And that's what Paul just wrote about. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. The verse some of you know well. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The greatest place to display God's power is in us. How will this lead you to treat somebody differently this week? How will this move you to maybe help bring two people together? How will this call you to rise above and beyond some conflict in your life? If we just sit here and take it, how is that explosive spiritual power? But if we truly believe, and if we tap into the power that is ours in Christ, church, you've heard me say it before, with all my heart I believe it, the church is a sleeping giant. What if we were to rise up and make the difference we can make? Would the world ever be the same? Our lives, our marriages, our families, our homes, our workplaces, our communities. We'll never know till we try. Amen? Father, I thank You for this passage You've given us today. Such clear words from Paul. I realize today, Lord, that um, we stand here, sit here together in a really confusing and frustrating and in some ways frightening time whether it's social unrest or, or a disease or, um, man, it just talk of war here and there. And it just seems like, Lord, there's always something. And then we look closer to home, to our relationships, our bank accounts, our jobs, our families, and there's stuff there too. And we realize that we need You. We desperately need You every day. If there is someone here who does not know You, they have never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray today is the day, Lord. And for those of us that do, may we be challenged to truly believe and live by the truth that we are able in You. That by Your strength in us, we can and we will. Help us to live like that is true. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'll ask you to stand. As always, our altar is open. If I can help you in any way, um, I invite you to come. I will say again, I, I know that times are different in the close contact stuff. If you don't feel comfortable, you can make an altar where you are. You could get in contact with me at any time, but if you would like to come for any reason, our altar is open while we sing.
come if this is for you. You know, I was thinking about that stanza as you sang. Um, <laughs> sometimes, do you ever feel like right now some of the stuff that we're going through, there very well may be no one going with you? No one went with Jesus either. So, it is our call to believe and to act in that belief. And in times like this, this is when the world needs to hear from us the most. Make a difference. Take what you believe out the doors. Let's make this place a better place. Amen? God bless you. Thank you for being here again. I'll remind you, I realize things are different. We love to stay around and shake hands and hug necks, but our circumstances are different. So as we go today, I won't go back and make you shake my hand. I know some of us are not quite there yet. Um, but if in any way that you need me, I'll be here. Come talk with me, and uh, we can certainly follow up. But thank you for being here today. If there is a need at any time, I know that we're not meeting as frequently and uh, the channels are a little different, but please let us know if there's a need we can pray for, some need needs to be met, please let us know, okay? Father, thank you again for the chance to gather for worship. We ask you to go with us now as we leave. We pray for our country and our world in these difficult times, and we pray as Paul did, that you will grant to us everything we need to prove to the world that in you we are able, in Jesus' name, amen.